Robert Vaughn Wagner was 21 years old when he was murdered. His burning body found alongside a rural road close to Sydney, Illinois. This was in 1985. 34 years later, investigators are still stumped. Suspects have surfaced Champaign County Sheriff's investigator Tim Beckett, told Carol Varell in her 10th Cold Cases podcast, but we just haven't been able to get the evidence needed to tie them in. In a 16-minute podcast, Varell looks at the grisly murder and where officials are in their hunt for a killer. Hey, Jim Rosso, News Gazette Media Vice President, reminding you that we have a ton of podcasts available at newsgazette.com every day of the week, from Dave Gentry's morning show to Scott Beatty's News Hour to Brian Barnhart's Penny for Your Thoughts. Head to our website, newsgazette.com, and search for podcasts. Something was seen on fire along a rural road near Sydney on a Sunday evening more than three decades ago. Several people saw the flames around six as they drove past and also were seen by nearby residents. It was the evening of November 3, 1985, and after that, nothing would ever be the same again for the family and friends of 21-year-old Robert Vaughn Wagner. Robert and his dog lived in a house in the southeastern Champaign County town of Sydney. He had a close-knit group of friends, but at the time, neighbors said he kept to himself. On Saturday, November 2nd, Robert went to a party on the campus of the University of Illinois, one of the last things Robert would do. Champaign County investigator Tim Beckett describes what would be the final hours of Robert's life. Multiple people had witnessed him at a, like a Mardi Gras theme party on campus in the, the night before and the early morning hours of his death. And then he was uh, last dropped off in his residence and seen you know, with any witness we were able to speak, speak with around um, 3 o'clock that morning. After that, a mystery begins to unfold full of a series of twists and turns. What happened in Robert's life after he was dropped off at home around three Sunday morning by a friend? The last time anyone said they had spoken to him. The next thing that's known comes about 15 hours later, a grisly discovery about three miles north of where he lived, something on fire along the road. A couple passerbyers had been driving by saw out. It was um, around 1200 North, 2025E at the curves. Um, it seen the flames illuminating, so a couple you know, separate vehicles drove by, took a closer look at what was burning, and they saw it was the body, and that's when they notified law enforcement. Obviously, with it being November and the fields being harvested, I mean, the, the flames could be seen from a distance. When um, the deputies arrived on the scene, what did they find? So they obviously see the fire. Um, it became evidently clear to them at that point in time it was an actual body. They could smell gasoline upon arrival. Um, they saw like a tarp, almost like a canvas material, wrapped around the body. They had shut it down that, that night because by the time they had found the body, it was nighttime. So they just secured the scene, had somebody stand by, and then they processed it the next day in the daylight hours. They were able to find some footwear, tra uh, tire track impressions, some the lead that contained a small amount of blood, things like that. Uh, it was pretty clear with the tar being wrapped around the body and just there that that probably wasn't going to be the actual place he was murdered at and that his body had been moved there to be set on fire. Did investigators and deputies find any bullets or any guns or any other weapons at the scene? No, no weapons at the scene. They didn't find, they didn't find any, any of the rounds um, 
sitting around or anything like that, or any any bullets or anything like that, any weapons, nothing like that was located at the scene. How about gas cans or anything? No gas cans. I said just the smell of gas, and, and they knew an accelerant was used. Um, there were certain spots um, coming from the road to the body that was... The fire made it clear that some kind of accelerant was used. They were able to, they took soil samples and were, the lab was able to confirm that it was in fact gasoline. So what did the autopsy end up showing? So it showed he was shot four times. He was shot in the stomach, uh, below his right rib cage, center of chest, and the right side of the neck. It was determined that the, the one next, or the one with the rib cage and the side of the neck were the fatal blows, which were the ones that killed him. Shotgun pellets were located in the body, and then um, obviously they didn't find any soot in the airways, which means he would have been dead before he was set on fire. But who was this? At first, no one knew. The coroner's office and investigators were faced with their first hurdle in the case, Investigator Beckett. They were still able to get his prints, which, um, you know, as much as his body was burned, they were st still able to get fingerprints. So what happens is, obviously, the word around Sydney is that they found a body that had not been identified yet, and... Um, you know, small town, everybody's thinking, you know, it might be somebody. One of Wagner's friends had contacted a trooper that was actually a neighbor of Wagner's. The trooper went to the house, Wagner's house, noticed the blinds were open, they were normally closed, um, noticed a dog was running loose, which was uncommon, and then noticed there was a couple newspapers sitting at the front door. So a trooper knocks on the house and is going to answer. At that point in time, he decides to call uh, sheriff's investigators and notify him that it could be Robert Wagner. Nobody has seen him you know, for a couple of days. From that, they had a December 1984 arrest of Wagner, and they had his prints on file. So they compared the prints that night, which would have been a couple of days when the body was after the body was found, and they were relatively sure that night that it was going to be Robert Wagner's body. They were able to confirm that through the lab the following day, as he was the victim that was located. Robert's family members could not be reached to comment for this podcast, but we can only imagine their heartbreak at what had happened, the loss that can't be described, and the worry that Robert's lifestyle could end up hurting him tragically becoming a reality. Robert's brother, Bill Wagner, told the News Gazette Media in a 1990 story that Robert had fallen in with an unsavory crowd involved in drug trafficking. Bill Wagner said Robert was involved in dealing small amounts and that was stepping on somebody else's toes. Wagner said he talked to his brother about it and told him how stupid it was. And he paid the price. He also said he believed whoever burned his brother's body after shooting him was trying to leave a message. Investigators speculated at the time of Robert's death, his drug-related activities may have led to his death, that Robert was considered a small-time marijuana dealer in Sydney. Ironically, fingerprints taken from his arrest on drug and other charges the year before his death is what ultimately led to his identification. So, who did this to Robert Wagner and why? Questions that led investigators to numerous theories and possible suspects. They spoke with several people. I mean, there was a lot of, there was a lot of police work that went into this, uh, a lot of man hours, um, a lot of interviews conducted. And, and the problem is that when they were talking to a lot of witnesses, everybody was kind of giving their own perspective of what happened or what they heard. So they were just trying to track down any lead. And I don't think uh, early on in the investigation, it was, it was really clear what the motive would have been behind it. And as far as where he was killed, was that ever discovered? No. So it, it clearly wasn't in his house? 
No, they ended up um, obviously doing a consent search, you know, of the residents from the owner of the property, which would have been uh, Robert Wagner's father, um, and they didn't seem they didn't find anything that seemed disturbed that it would look like a murder took place in that location. But some people did hear gunfire. The investigators uh, spoke with several witnesses that said they heard gunshots prior to the body being discovered. These ranges kind of uh, go from like three to four, even to five o'clock in the afternoon is when they're reporting the gunshots. I mean, not a lot of people are going to hear something and look at their watch right away and think, you know, I heard gunshots um, and then look at their watch. So general late afternoon time with the latest being approximately uh, more than an hour before the body was found. So, and he was dropped off at 3 a.m.? Yeah, he was dropped off at 3 a.m. So that and would have so left this at, would have been like 12 hours later? Yeah, so approximately 12 hours later. So when he was dropped off at 3 a.m., nobody had, that we have spoken with, any of the witnesses had said that they saw him during that time frame, but the, the gunshots were heard by multiple people in, you know, living in town there around late afternoon, so yeah, 12 hours plus later. Some of them just say here there four shots. I mean, you're going to get, you know, different accounts of how many shots I actually heard because, you know, you, your brain might not register all four. You just might hear them and not think anything of it. But uh, there was at least one witness that said they heard approximately four or did hear four shots. And could they tell what direction it was coming from? They said it came from the south south of where the body would end up being located. So people that were south of that location of where the body was found said that it was south of them. Beckett also says it's not clear if there was more than one shooter. No clear evidence stating either way. And to make the investigation even more difficult and frustrating, no one wanted to come forward with vital information about the brutal murder. After all, Robert had been shot four times at close range with a shotgun, and then his body was wrapped in canvas and set on fire. No wonder people might be afraid to say anything. This kind of thing just didn't happen in Sydney, or in this area for that matter. Beckett says it's understandable that people would be scared. I would say with the brutality, I don't think anybody can argue there wasn't some kind of message being sent. The problem with that is until we can identify the suspect, the suspect can clarify what the reasoning behind it was, what their message they were trying to send. I mean, we'll never know the actual message until that point. I would imagine it was pretty hard to elicit information from people, too. If people knew or believe that that was trying to send a message, I would think they'd be afraid to say anything. I would think so, too, yeah. And that's kind of what I'm hoping to get from this podcast. I mean, we're 34 years later. Hopefully that fear is not there anymore and people are more willing to come forward and talk now that it's not so recent. You know, obviously we want to be able to give closure to Wagner's family. At the same time, we're human. We understand that people being in fear of something like that, especially the brutality of this murder, we understand that. Then about six months after Robert was shot and killed, investigators got a call that sounded promising they might have a strong suspect. They pursued the lead involving Gregory Watson of Danville. Yeah, that was definitely, I would definitely consider that to be an odd twist in all of this. April 26, 1986, Army recruiter shows up at Unity High School, which Sydney falls in the school district of Unity. So the principal was familiar with who Robert Wagner was. Well, the Army recruiter shows up at the high school wanting records of for Robert Wagner. At that point, the principal at that time is like, hey, Wagner, he's, he's dead. He recently been murdered. So again, this is five or six months later after his, his body was located. So the principal does the right thing, calls into the sheriff's investigators and says, hey, we got somebody, you know, we got an army recruiter here saying Robert Wagner's joining the, the army. So of course, investigators act on that right away. They go talk to the recruiter. And actually, while they were talking to the recruiter at that point in time, this individual had called in twice, wanted to know if his paperwork was ready and he was able to be shipped off to the army. 
So they worked it out with the recruiter, told investigators told the recruiter, hey, just tell him he's, he's good to go. He'll ship off to the Army the next day. You'll meet him at the bus terminal. So he shows up. They end up arresting him. And I think at that point in time, they feel they have a pretty good suspect. I mean, he's got the identification of, of Wagner, right? They end up talking to him, and his story is that he was trying to escape. Basically, Danville police had been wanting to talk with him, and he believed to arrest, arrest him on some other cases, some fraud-like cases, so he wanted to get out of town. He didn't actually end up having any kind of identification that would have been taken from Wagner. So there was no actual, I mean, he didn't have, like, Wagner's driver's license or anything that he would have personally got out there. Basically, what he had done, and they, they ended up following up and confirming the, the paperwork, is his story was that he went to the library and was looking through obituaries and essentially looking for somebody's identity to steal. So identity theft before it was the thing. And so he's looking through there, ends up finding um, Robert Wagner and recently died. So he writes the Social Security office, gets Social Security number, confirmation, all that, was able to acquire a birth certificate, which at the point in time the clerk was obviously followed up with and realized that the deputy clerk had made a mistake. They were busy at that point in time, and it just kind of squeaked through. So they're able to confirm all that. So none of the information that he had was actually obtained from personally from Wagner. They were able to clear him based on that. Turns out he was just an identity thief. And then in December of 1990, another man caught the attention of investigators. He was 37-year-old Michael Baker, considered a drifter from Cincinnati, who had been living in Urbana. He was indicted in the murder of Robert. But the charges were dismissed in May of 1991. At the time, according to News Gazette Media, First Assistant State's Attorney William Gaston said, considering the total amount of information that was available, that prosecutors felt it was appropriate to withdraw the murder charge against Baker, adding that their evidence would indicate that Baker did not kill Wagner. Gaston also said that he was free to refile the murder charges against Baker. In June of 1993, about seven and a half years after Robert was killed, the lead investigator on the case at the time, Sergeant Kent Fletcher, said that investigators had recently made significant progress in solving the case. He said they had identified male suspects who lived in Champaign County as the possible killers, but declined to identify them or say how many at that time. Fletcher had said that investigators recently were able to corroborate through other individuals who had information a witness's account of the murder. But no one other than Baker has ever been charged in Robert's murder. Investigator Beckett is declining to say much more about the case or any possible suspects to protect the investigation. What I can say is that, I mean, anyone that's been referred to as a suspect or person of interest throughout this case, I mean, it hasn't changed. It's still, it's still the case. I know there's been a lot of great police work done, you know, on this case throughout the years. And progress has been made and hopefully will continue to be made. Obviously, we're not at that final piece of evidence yet. And that's just based on the fact that nobody has been convicted of Robert Wagner's murder yet. So it's still ongoing and we, we hope to get there. Why would anyone want to do this? Did Robert's brutal slaying stem from selling drugs or over a dispute about drug territory? Or could it have been a crime of passion? Or was it something else? Was whoever did this trying to send a message? If so, what was it? Investigator Beckett is turning to you for help in solving this grisly homicide, as his family still seeks justice and closure for a devastating loss of a loved one so many years ago. We need any help we can get from the public. 
any any information, no matter how small they feel that information is. All of this is, it's, it's a small piece that could be part of a larger puzzle that could help us put everything together. So any information anyone has would be greatly appreciated and any lead's gonna be followed up. Anyone with information is urged to call Champaign County Sheriff's Investigator Tim Beckett at 217-384-1213, 217-384-1213, or you can remain anonymous by calling Crime Stoppers at 373 TIPS. If you can remember anything from 34 years ago that you might not have told investigators or you did talk with investigators and you might recall that you left some information out, don't hesitate, call. That's what we need. We need help from the public to get this solved. In 1990, Bill Wagner said that he wanted to see whoever killed his brother brought to justice, not only for his brother's sake, but for others. He said then there was nothing that could be done for his brother, but if they could bust up a drug ring or whatever, then something good will come out of it. Beckett says it's been a while since investigators have been able to pursue a new lead. The last time they received new information came in 2012. But even so, the murder investigation remains open and active. Any lead that comes in, we're going to work just as if it was the day after it happened. Here we are 34 years later, and if a lead comes in tomorrow, we're going we're gonna to act on it right away. Murder cases are never closed. We won't rest until we can provide some kind of closure for the family. I'm Carol Varell.